This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. Well, thanks for the privilege of sharing here today. Uh, this is the first time I've preached it. This building and this church. Yeah, you were called what we're called. It's uh, been a privilege to serve in Kuwait for the last 11 years. I'm the senior pastor and founding pastor of the church in Kuwait called Life Connection Church. And we are also multi-congregational, multi-site church, multi-congregational, not just multi-site, but multi-congregational. That means something a lot different than when you say multi-site. We have a lot of congregations in Kuwait that relate with us, as well as in the Philippines and India and some other places. God has blessed the ministry there. We have a very diverse ministry, and we're so blessed every time we get a chance to come home and just sit here under this ministry. Uh, most of all, we're so blessed to come home and be with our family. You know, I, I got to thinking, Aaron, as I was sitting there, that since we've been overseas the last 11 years, all of our grandchildren except one was born. Um, for a grandfather, that's pretty tough, especially when we haven't come home sometimes for two years and sometimes we're only here for a week or two. And so to be able to be here this time extended with our grandkids, our, our, our children, has been an extreme gift from God. We're so thankful for that. And I think God has given us the best daughter-in-laws in the world, especially if they'll marry my sons. Amen? <laughs> so I appreciate them and all of our grandkids. I was just sitting there holding uh, Hadessa there. Uh, not Hadessa, I'm Selah. I can't remember all their names. There's so many of them. But I was holding Selah, and I'm thinking, man, what a privilege. What a, what a privilege. Just hold her today, you know, and be there. So it's a, it's a blessing. Forgive the old man for crying, but it's special for me to be here this, this uh, past few months and to be a part of this great church. This is a great church. If you're new here, get connected quick because this is a place where love dwells and where you're going to see God's grace offered here. So... Um, enough said about that. If you want to learn about Kuwait, you want to come to Kuwait for vacation. No, not vacation. Um, we're looking for recruits for ISIS. No, I'm sorry, not that. I mean, um, no, we, we're looking for people who are willing to give their lives for the gospel. So if you want to come and visit and maybe hang around, um, maybe Pastor Aaron will lend you to us out there in Kuwait. Well, open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans 12. Um, I do want to get right to the word. I don't want to waste time sharing things about me because it's not about me, it's about him today. And so, Father, we ask that you would be glorified by our time together. And, Lord, I ask that you would make sense of all this through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will come and transform us and will not leave the same way we came in. Lord, let your word come alive and active in us. Holy Spirit, we invite you to work in this place. All of you, Lord, none of me, we pray. Holy Spirit, come forth in power and authority. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you turn in your Bibles there and then stand with me? I just want to read three verses. 
this morning. I don't know if you realize this, but I love to preach. I love pastoring. I love doing what I'm doing. And this has been a challenge to prepare a message that you're into by I don't know how many weeks. Uh, over a year, you've been studying the book of Romans, and you've got a long ways to go. And then to jump in on three verses and to do justice to this passage. Normally, we preach series like you, where I come from, but we're preaching the whole series, you know. So then to jump in like this is a privilege, but it is a challenge for a preacher because you've got great preachers here. I've been, I listen to Wayne and Wes and Aaron and all the different ones that have shared. Boy, you guys are blessed, aren't you? Amen? So I hope we'll do justice today through the Holy Spirit. Chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. May God bless his word. You may be seated. I encourage you to take notes, not because I'm good, but if you're like me, not only does my hair fall out, but my memory leaves me. So I encourage you to take some notes and study along with us and go home and meditate on the word of God. I realized I put this message together and I could preach this one message for the next four weeks. So he gave me five minutes to preach today, and uh, so I got to get it all done quick. So if I leave out something, you go back and meditate on it, and I'm sure he'll pick it up next week. Amen? As we approach this passage, we've been studying about genuine love. You'll find that in Romans chapter 9, I mean chapter 12, verses 9 through verse 27, actually. In the first few verses, 9 through 16, we're dealing with the relationship of believers to believers, the church, how we are to respond to each other. Next week, Pastor Aaron will begin to look at how we are to respond to the lost world and those that may be what we consider our enemies. How are we to treat them? It's been very important for me because I live in the center of the Islamic world. And Americans are not their favorite people. So I have known over these last years what it is to see people when they come to Christ or just because they're not part of that culture there, how they are not well received at times. So I know some of this by experience, but I'm there because God loves those people. Did you know that God not only loves you, not, God not only loves Israel, sometimes that's all we hear on the news or on Christian TV, but did you know that God loves the Arab people? And his passion is for them the same way as it is for you. He desires them to know him. Even though they don't know it, it's a privilege to be there and to share it. So this passage has been really important to me. As we think of verse 14, blessing those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. You see, as you come to this passage and we're dealing with genuine love, 
In other words, we're talking about the real thing. You have to really go back to chapter 12, verse 1 to understand the ability to do this. Because I want to tell you in myself, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't love people this way. I can't love you this way. I can't love my wife this way. I can't love my kids this way in my own strength. So I need to understand the ability to fulfill what Paul is asking us to do. How do I do this? How can I possibly love like this passage? And you've been studying week after week. How can I possibly love like this? Well, look at verse 1. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Underline that word, therefore, because it's a connecting word. The Apostle Paul is tying you back from the first verse of this chapter. He's tying you back to the first 11 chapters you've studied. You've been looking at God's goodness to you. How you're a sinner, deserved hell. But God loved you so much. It says in, in chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. At our worst, Christ came and paid our price. We discover how rotten our hearts are apart from God. And we're capable, any of us, capable of doing anything. And yet when Christ came and paid sin's price, that we can be that new creation person. So as we come to chapter 12, we've been into the depths of theology. Theology simply means the study of God. We've been studying his character, his person, the kind of God that we have. And so therefore, Paul says this. On the basis of what you've learned, now, get ready because I'm going to talk to you about how to live it. We're going to move from the doctrine to the practice. We're going to move from theory and theology to the streets, to the carpet in your church that you walked in on today. How do I live it out today with my feet today in this place? How does redemption Alhambra look when somebody walks through that door? Because Paul said this, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. What? If you have love for one another. Not Paul, I'm sorry. Jesus said that. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples, Jesus said. If you have love for one another, talking about the disciples, brother to brother, sister to sister. You want this world to know that this is a place where Jesus lives and rules and reigns and where God is alive and where there's something really happening here? It's not because you have the best worship in the country, and I think you do. It's not because God gave you this wonderful, nice little building, and I think it's a gorgeous place, what we would give to have this in Kuwait. What is it then? There's a love here. And when somebody comes through that door and can experience that love, the transforming, genuine love of Christ in your life. It'll make a difference in this community. Amen. Then the light will be that, that light that shines around here and people will want to know what's happening because there's African Americans and there's Hispanics and there's Asians and there's, there's Caucasians and there's every other person and culture and group that can walk into this church. They don't have to feel like, oh, they don't want me down there or I don't fit there. From the gangbanger to the highbrow 
There ought to be a place where they know they can go and God's love will be demonstrated. But how do we do this? Well, look a little further. He says, by the mercy, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Let me tell you, when we understand the mercies of God in verses one to, chapters 1 to 11, and we meditate upon the mercies of God, then we understand that it's that mercy that will overwhelm me and allow me to be different. Look at verse 2. Because it says this, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Look, I realize I can't love you unless my mind is renewed. Why? Because I bring my own baggage into this walk. I bring my own messed up life and my own ugly thoughts and my own problems and difficulties. You say, yeah, but you're born again. Yes, I am. But I'm also in process. Jesus lives in my heart, and I am truly born again, and everything I need to go forward is there, but I don't know it half the time. And so as my mind is being renewed, this is a process daily, as my mind is being renewed, and I understand the mercies of God, chapters 1 to 11, I can love you. I can begin to love you. But let me tell you something. Verse 3 is really the key to verses 9 through, 11, 9 through 16. Look at verse 3 because this will blow your mind. He says this, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. How can I love you the right way? Well, you say right here, verse 3, he says, deal with this pride issue. You know, we could say, well, it's not to think too highly of myself then. It's to be others-centered. Or, or usually the opposite of what we think of is not thinking too highly of ourselves. It's thinking too lowly of ourselves. I don't want to get off on that. That's a study in itself. But let me just say this, that it's not even that. It's not, the opposite of thinking too high about yourself is not thinking too low about yourself because we're just looking in the same mirror with just a little bit different picture. Really, the way we think properly about ourselves is when we turn the mirror into a window. And we look out the window and we see the mercies of God in Christ. We see Christ's glory all around us. And we look through a window of Christ's glory and we look at each other that way instead of through our own jaded view. You come in here hurt, abused, discouraged, defeated, thinking there is no love, it's only abuse, it's only sex, it's only whatever. And you can't love people properly when you look through that mirror. But when you look through that window of Christ, and we look at each other, verses 9 through 11 can become, or 16, can become a reality to us. And we can do what it says in verse 14, Bless those who persecute us and bless and do not curse. We can all of a sudden begin to do these things when we see each other through the window of Jesus Christ. Yes. Today, I understand that, look, without this, an understanding of him first, these verses, I can't preach to you today because I can't do them. I need, I'm desperately in need of Jesus to love you. And when we understand that, when we're honest enough to come into church and say, look, I have a hard time loving you, yeah. 
in myself. But through Jesus, man, I crazy love you. Because I see the mercies of God all over you. I see his grace working in your messed up, screwed up life and mine. That's the beauty of the church. When the church can see past their mess to the message that has changed the hearts of the people here, that's when the world says, oh, Jesus is really there. When we come in and rather than just look at the back of each other's heads, walk out, the same we walked in, say, hey, we just did our Jesus thing for the week. We walk in, we get to know each other, we learn about each other, we grow in love and respect for one another, and we build true, lasting relationships. That's what the church is. Church is a family. Pastor Aaron has been calling it Framly, I think it was. Framly. We're the Framly of God. Fellowship and family, and I don't know what all the Framly thing is, but what's that? Friend and family. That's what we are. Look, we must realize also in the second half of verse 3, this, before you can get any further in this passage, is that it says, don't think too highly of yourself, then you ought to think, but to think soberly as God, get this, has dealt to each one a measure of faith. I want this to be really clear. You are saved by faith through grace, and you can only love this way because it is a measure of faith that God has dealt to you to even be able to love each other. I can do this in myself, but through grace, the gift of God in me, I can love you like he loves me. But that's the only way. Why would I stay in Kuwait for 11 years? It's a desert. It's not, you say, well, Phoenix is a desert, but I'm telling you, Phoenix is an oasis compared to Kuwait. It's the largest kitty litter box in the world. <laughs> Literally. And you talk about dust storms, you ain't seen a dust storm till you come and sniff, sniff some of our dust. Literally. We'll go months without, I've seen us go a whole month without one day without a dust storm. It's incredible. What makes a person stay? It's not a vacation. This is not Dubai. We're not talking about Las Vegas on steroids. That's Dubai. This is a this is a place where there's a lot of money and people there, but there's nothing to keep you there if it wasn't something deeper. I had a brother come up to me after the last service and says, you were really kind about Kuwait. I went there two times, and I wouldn't go back. I said, well, I've been there 11 years, and I'm going back. But it's not because I want to leave Christy and Dana and the kids. Caleb, happy birthday, Caleb. It's his birthday today or Micah, or Ben and Kim in Texas, or Isaac and Liz over in California. I, that tears me up every time I get on an airplane. But there's love in my heart for a people who need Jesus from all over the world. You see, the only way that we can love this way is if his grace has been given to us, that measure of faith. Now let's jump down to verse 9. 
because I want to at least try to get to the passage before my time finishes here. And I want to say this. As we come to this verse, this passage, there are three things I want to try to notice. Maybe we're only going to get to notice a couple of them. But Paul defines for us, really in 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to look at it in a moment, just read a few verses, what love looks like. He's going to describe Christ to us and how we're to love. But then we come to verse 9 through 16, and he says, this is how you're to demonstrate this love. Look with me, if you would, quickly to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. He says this. Now, this is a, a glorious picture of Jesus and his character, his very nature, who he is. Love is patient. You could put Jesus' name. Jesus is patient. He's kind does not envy or boast. Yet he's talking about love here. Paul's saying this is the very essence of Christ. This is the very essence of who he is. He's love. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It does not irritate or is resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. <gasps> Love never ends. You say, whoa, I've never seen that kind of love before. Oh, I see little things jumping out at times in people, but wow, what a love. Well, if you know Jesus, you've experienced this love. But he's saying this is the definition of love. This is love. It's a true picture. You say, wow, impossible. That's what I said, impossible. And the wives say, amen. And the husbands say, amen. Because this is impossible as husbands and wives to even love each other that way. And the Bible says, husbands, love your wife. Same word, agape. How do I love my wife this way? In my own sinful problems, Christ's grace. But now we come to Romans chapter 12, and Paul talks about how do we demonstrate this love. How do we demonstrate this love now? And he, he, he starts spelling out. Now, based on the mercies of God, based on the goodness of God, based upon who God is, based upon love, you are to love this way. And that's why we've been talking about genuine love for weeks. You've heard great messages from Wayne and Wes and Aaron and uh, Dave, I'm sure, has been in on this and the other pastors. What a powerful, powerful messages. I feel so inadequate to even jump in at this moment. But he continues this thought, and I was, as I was studying this week and meditating on that, I saw there's 12, 12 characteristics or manifestations of love that Paul gives in this passage. You've already looked at eight of them. If you don't remember them, write them down. I'm just going to mention them. I'm not going to talk about them. But in verse 9, he says this love is sincere. The second half of verse 9, he says this love is discerning. It's sincere. It's without hypocrisy. It's discerning. Look, it hates what's evil. It clings to what's good. When you love someone, it's not just some loose sentimentalism. It's a love that discerns and loves what's good for them and hates what's bad for them. It says it's affectionate. I like this. 
says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. He uses two family terms here to describe how it's to be affectionate. Parents to children, brother to sister. He uses these terms about the family and brings them into the church and says, now, this is the way you're to love a church. We're a family. So as a family, we're to be like this. Number four in verse 10, he says, it's honoring. This kind of love is honoring. What do you mean? It, it, it prefers others. Look at verse 10. Honor one another above yourselves. You don't run in here and try to find the best seat and make sure nobody else can have it. You don't just rush in and, and leave the, the little lady that's trying to get her kids in by herself and can't do it. And she's struggling. She's got two. She's trying to hold on to in this little baby carrier. And she's all by herself. And three big old men are standing there talking to each other and don't have time to help. That's not love. I just don't have time. I got to get going. It's like, I got to get to church. I got to get to church. And we see someone along the way that needs us more than getting to church. We need to be the church rather than get to church. The church is not about a building. It's about a people. And you're part of that church. And love is enthusiastic. I like verse 11. He said, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Look, don't you want a love that's got a little enthusiasm with it? A little zealousness, a little excitement? We don't want to just come up and, you know, it's like, oh, I love you, yeah, see you later. Glad you're here. Hallelujah. That's the way you feel sometimes. It's patient, number six. Be joyful in hope, patient in affection, faithful in prayer. It endures tribulation. It perseveres in prayer. Look, love doesn't fail, it said in 1 Corinthians. Hey, look, I'm tired of saints who, every time they get a little offended, walk off somewhere else. When are we going to grow up? All of a sudden, because your family offends you, I'm not one of them anymore. And I know people that act like that. But unfortunately, in this society, you can't do it that easy. You've got to go to court and get your name changed. And no matter if you change your name, the DNA is still there, folks. Hello? And if you're looking for the perfect church, sorry, it's not here. We have a perfect Savior, but we've got people who are in process growing. You need to walk in here with a hard hat on every week because there's stuff falling off of people's lives all around you. And you ought to be prepared to see some junk. But if we're going to be the church, we need to realize that as the church of God, come on, we're all in process. Oh, but I'm further along. Well, praise God. Help others catch up. But somebody didn't notice me. The pastor didn't shake my hand. I'm going to a church where they really care. I'll tell you where the church that really cares is when you start caring. When you start caring. When you start demonstrating the love of God with some enthusiasm and honoring one another above yourself. Being patient. Number seven, generous. Verse 13, Aaron talked about that last week. Being generous and being hospitable, number eight. Love that is real. Love that is agape love is generous. It shares with people. I love to see it when people here are sharing. Miguel and Gladys, sharing your home. 
Open it up to those that have need. Giving up your home, moving where you can have enough space for people. Sacrifice. Others in this room who are giving up their comfort and sacrificing for others. More needy. Then the ninth one is this, and where I was supposed to be, says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. And I'm not going to say much about this because Pastor Aaron's going to talk about this next week because it leads into verses 17 to 21. Because he moved from the believing community to the lost community in this little exhortation. You say, well, why is it out of place? Why didn't he put it down in verse 16? He made a mistake. No, he didn't. Because let me tell you this. You can't love the lost if you can't love each other first. And if you don't have the same grace, you can't love the lost this way. This is radical. The point is not only your behavior, but your heart. Your heart has to be changed because Jesus said, bless them. He used the same statement. Paul's taking Jesus' statement, but he left part of it out. Because Jesus said, not only bless those who curse you and don't curse them, but he says, pray for them. And he takes it a step further. You see, you, it's not just about your behavior. Your heart has to be different because when you pray for people, prayer deals with the longings of your heart. And so when I'm blessing someone, it's not just blessing the way they treat you, but it includes the longings that you have for someone. In other words, you're not saying, kill them, God. But bless them. Bless them. You're struggling with them. Those people that are giving you a rough time because of your faith, maybe your family, maybe other people. Look, change your view through Christ and understand they're not your enemy. The enemy's your enemy. You th no, they're my enemy. They're just treating me terrible. No, the enemy's using them, but they're not your enemy. Then number 10, Paul says this kind of love is sympathetic. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourns. You know what that means? Don't stand aloof from other people's joys or pains. Love identifies with them, sings with them, suffers with them, enters into emotional relation with them. And this is back to the body of Christ again, and the lost even. But how do we walk in here? And we say, how are you doing? And when we ask the question, we're passing by them. We're not really stopping to hear how they're doing. Because we don't want to emotionally connect with people. We don't want to be too, I got my own problems. I got my own issues, man. Don't dump your problems on me. Talk to my hand. You know what I'm talking about? What he's saying here is, look, enter into where they're at emotionally. Let me give you several reasons we don't enter into people's emotions. First, we're too wrapped up in ourselves. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Ah, I got to study. I got to do this. I got to go here. I got to accomplish this. I'm just too busy. I don't have time to listen to your problems. Or we're just so self-oriented. Basically, this is a real issue, isn't it? It's all about us, all about our problems. I got, I got enough on my plate. 
or we think we're above the emotional life of ordinary people. And men, this is our big problem, men. Listen to me. I'm a man. I've got to be tough. I've got to be really strong. I've got to be strong for the fam. I've got to be strong in society. I don't want to be one of those weak guys. You know, you grew up maybe in a world where weakness was the worst thing. The streets, weakness is not accepted. Got to be tough. Got to be strong. Stronger than the next guy. So when somebody is emotional, either joy or sorrow, we don't relate and we don't want to relate because we're afraid we'll show weakness. Even in the church, the same thing happens. Men, we can be so hardened by our own lives and our own world that we can't relate to people here that are suffering or crying or rejoicing. Or we're just hypercritical. When people are going through a hard time, we're just critical of it. You know, or, oh, what are they crying about? They, they don't have a hard life. Look at me. I've had a hard life. See, we can be really critical of other people. Or we're just resentful. We envy people that are getting attention from others. They're either rejoicing or, what are they so happy about? Or else they're weeping and we're going, oh, grow up, come on, quit being a baby. We're just jealous. Really, the bottom line of not being the kind of person we should be and fill emotional empathy with other people, you know what it is? It's called pride. Pride. Number 11, Paul gives us the 11th characteristic. He says it's harmony, harmonious. True love is harmonious. Look what he says in verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. The wording here in this verse suggests not so much a plea for Christians to think the same thing toward each other, but it's saying this, look, it's calling us to be carried away with each other, to think the same way about each other. That doesn't mean we have the same mind on everything. We, we can't be our own person. That's not what it's talking about. Look, it means we don't think down on one person and up on another. We're thinking the same thing about each other, about each person. And lastly, he says, this love is humble. Notice it. In verse 16, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. What this is is simple. Let me put it in your English. Don't be a snob. Don't be conceited. Don't be condescending to people. I hear people at times talking, Christian people, even pastors at times, say, man, did you see those people that visited our church last week? Yeah, man, weren't they cool? Yeah, they were cool people. There are kind of people. What does that mean? That means I'm not? Or they're my kind? They're like me? God forbid. I mean, we're not in the cloning business here. God, the the beauty of the church is the majestic difference. The whole menagerie of the people of God coming together, working together, loving together, serving together. That's what's beautiful. When we get blacks and whites and greens and yellows and whatever else you can get together, and we all come together and we work in harmony together and love together, that blows the world away. 
But when we condescend, when we think low of others, you know, it's actually saying, look, don't be high-minded, but be carried away with lowly things or lowly tasks or lowly people. Be carried away. Be blown away by these people. In other words, don't think that changing a diaper is above you, men. Or volunteering for children's church is above your service grade. Oh yeah, I got a better pay grade than that. Or helping in the parking lot or serving beside Don as he cleans the parking lot. He sweats. He comes in here and loves us. Wears his tie. Each week, I think he looks like the preacher. Amen? Actually, he's preaching a louder sermon than many of us. Be humble. This kind of love is incredible. And you know what disrupts this love? Again, it's pride. The self-preoccupied person, the self-inflated person, the self-exalting person is what destroys this love. But the opposite, get me, the opposite is not humility. Did you hear me? The opposite is not humility. Because there's a problem when we define humility. We leave God out of it. We leave Christ out of it. The opposite of this kind of love is a faith in Christ. The essence of faith is humbly resting in Christ. Faith forgetting self and being completely satisfied in Jesus. That's what will enable you to love this way. Now I want you to write these four things down and then these guys are going to lead us in communion. But this is how we do it this week. Because, look, if you're like me, if I don't know how to take this out and put it into action, I may leave here the same as I walked in. Amen? So look, number one, put it up if you would. Pray that God will let you see others the way he sees them. And to love them the way he loves them. Do you know, for years... I have prayed this almost every day. Love, Lord, let me love Kuwaitis the way you love them and try to see them the way that you see them. And the Filipinos and the Indians and the Bangladeshi, Lord, the people I don't understand, the people that maybe offend me, let me see them the way you see them. The high, the low, the little Bangladeshi guy that's sweeping the streets for $100 a month, 14 hours a day, 120 degrees outside. Day after day, cleans in front of my house, sometimes eating very little. God, let me see them the way you see them. I don't want to look over them thinking I'm better as I get in my nice car. I don't want to be like that, Lord. Number two, ask Jesus to reveal any barriers that could be keeping you from properly connecting emotionally with others. 
What is it that could be keeping you from emotionally connecting? Things that keep us from face-to-face interaction and community life. Some of you are running. You've not joined a community group yet. You've not joined an RC. You're running. It's not because you don't have time. We have time for everything we want to make time for. I'll tell you what it is. You're afraid. You're afraid of getting real and involved in the lives of people too closely because you've been hurt. Can I say grow up? We've all been hurt. That's why we act the way we do. And that's why we're not perfect and neither are you. We've all been hurt. But it's a place to heal. It's a place to get real. Turn off your TV a little more. Get rid of your fears, your past issues, your social media. I I don't know how people can date or get to know each other anymore. You sit in Starbucks and you talk to each other on text. It's amazing. Why don't you put them down and look at each other in the eye and really talk to each other? Number three, ask Christ to help me build harmony with others by accepting everyone the same way. You got a problem with me? Ask God to help you love me the way you love those you really love. And lastly, ask God to reveal areas where a prideful and conceited attitude may be keeping you from associating with others. Here's the bottom line. Are you conceited? Prideful? We all have it. Don't kid yourself. No, I'm humble. Now you just told me you got pride issue. We all struggle with pride and conceit. We're the best. We got the best. Look, as long as you live with that and don't deal with that, as long as you continue with that, you will not love this way. Let's close our eyes and bow our head. Remember this, folks. God's love is the essence of the gospel. And the only way we are going to demonstrate the gospel to a lost world is to embrace his love through faith. And without his love, you have absolutely nothing to give or to leave in this place. You know, we talk about leaving your offering on the way out. Let me ask you to do something else. Leave your offering, yes, because it helps support the gospel. But can I ask you to leave one more thing? Please, leave this. Leave some love on the way out. Leave some impact into the lives of people on the way out of this place. In your dorm room, in your apartments, wherever you're at, leave some love. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you will change us. Lord, forgive us for our pride and our conceit and our failure to love as you love, to live as you live. Lord, make us a church who's changing the culture we live in by love, by pure love, by God's love, and beginning by demonstrating it right here at Redemption Church Alhambra. 
Thank you for this place. And thank you for what you're teaching us. As painful as it is, let us do it the way you did it. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for communion. Thank you for the ability to come here now and receive that strength and to to remember what it is, the mercies of God that will allow us to see love the way we should. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.